0: In a flurry of diplomacy across two continents, President Joe Biden emerged from a meeting with Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz today, vowing the crucial Nord Stream 2 Russia to Germany gas pipeline would be blocked if Russia further invades Ukraine. Russia's Vladimir Putin said the United States and its allies were the only ones talking about invasion. But the president also warned the pain of sanctions against Russia will be felt beyond Russia's borders.
1: First of all, we are looking at opportunities to make up for lost gas, LNG, from Russia. We're underway of trying to see what we can do to do that, dealing with our friends around the world as well. We think we could make up a significant portion of it uh, that would be lost. But what everybody forgets here is Russia needs to be able to sell that gas and sell that oil. Russia relies a significant part of Russia's budget It's the only thing they really have to export. And if, in fact, it's cut off, then they're going to be hurt very badly as well. And it's of consequence to them as well. This is not just a one way street.
0: And press on whether the West prediction of a Russian invasion of Ukraine would occur before spring flooding hampers Russian military operations. The president hesitated while urging Americans to get out of Ukraine.
2: Thank you, Mr. President. Based on everything you know now, do you think that President Putin will authorize an invasion of Ukraine before the end of the winter? And what is your message to the roughly 30,000 Americans who are currently in Ukraine? Do you think that they should leave the country?
1: Well, I've had discussions, numerous discussions with, uh, uh, with uh, the Russians and particularly with Putin. I don't know that he's even made it. I don't know that he knows what he's going to do. And uh, I think he has to realize that it would be a gigantic mistake for him to move on Ukraine. The impact on Europe and the rest of the world would be devastating. And he would pay a heavy price. I have been very, very straightforward and blunt with President Putin, both on the phone and in person. We will impose the most severe sanctions that have ever been imposed, economic sanctions. And there will be a lot to pay for that down the road. It will affect others as well. It will affect us somewhat. It will affect Europeans. But it will have profound impact on his economy. And uh, I, uh, I, but I don't know. I know that he's in a position now to be able to invade, almost uh, assuming that uh, um, the, uh, the ground is frozen above Kyiv. Uh, he has the capacity to do that. What he's going to do, I don't know. And uh, I don't think anybody knows but him.
2: To the Americans who are currently in Ukraine, should they leave the country?
1: I think it would be wise to leave the country. Uh, not, I, don't mean our, I don't mean, I'm not talking about our diplomatic corps. I'm talking about Americans who are there. I hate to see them get caught in a crossfire if, in fact, they did invade. And there's no need for that. And I, if I were they, if I had anyone there, I'd say leave.
0: Putin and French President Emmanuel Macron, meanwhile, met for hours in Moscow at the same time Biden and the German leader were meeting. Before the five and a half hour session, Macron and Putin addressed the issues they planned to discuss. I believe that today's discussion
3: could be the start of us getting to where we need to go, which is a de-escalation. We know the terms, the political and military situation, the Ukrainian question of which you know the importance, and the Normandy format negotiations, the security situation in Belarus and the entire region, and the bigger questions of collective security that we're going to talk about.
2: I see that French officials and the president are applying huge efforts to resolve the crisis over European security. In a historical perspective, this also concerns subject related to the resolution of the inter-Ukrainian crisis in the east of the country. French President Emmanuel
0: Macron followed by Russia's Vladimir Putin earlier today. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and European Union foreign policy chief Joseph Burrell spoke at a joint news conference agreeing the United States and Europe remain unified on the Russian threat to Ukraine but the consequences that Russia would face if it invaded. Blinken echoed President Trump that the United States is working to ensure energy supplies continue to reach Ukraine and Western Europe. In the case of escalating hostilities with Russia. We're working together right now to protect Europe's energy supply against supply shocks, including those that could result from further Russian aggression against Ukraine. Energy security is tied directly to national security, regional security, global security. Europe needs reliable and affordable energy, especially in the winter months. When Russia halted gas supplies to Europe over a dispute with Ukraine in 2009, people died from the cold. And when energy supplies fail, economies falter. We're determined to prevent that from happening and to mitigate the impact on energy supplies and prices should Russia choose to cut natural gas supplies to Europe more than it already has. The EU's Borrell says the continent is firmly behind the United States in this confrontation with Moscow.
2: We have seen eye-to-eye our determination to give a united response to Russia's threats. This is our best asset. We have repeated our call to Russia to deescalate. escalate Our multi-layered diplomatic engagement will continue on various levels and in different formats, as bilateral contacts, the Normandy talks, the OCE, And NATO. We certainly, at the European Union, we welcome the elements outlined in the US and NATO responses to the Russian demands. On European security coordination with the US and NATO, I think is exemplary and shows our unity and determination. We believe that a diplomatic way out of the crisis is still possible, and this is our clear and first priority. And that's what we are investing all our efforts. And
0: that's the uh, European Union's Joseph Borrell. Russia has denied any plans to attack its neighbor, but demands that the United States and its allies bar Ukraine and other former Soviet nations from joining NATO, halt weapons deployments there and roll back NATO forces from Eastern Europe. Washington and NATO reject those demands. And in news from Washington, the administration plans to keep a top scientist on the job after giving him counseling. A White House review found credible evidence Dr. Eric Lander violated its safe and respectful workplace policy. Dr. Lander is director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy and science advisor to President Biden. The report says he bullied staffers and treated them disrespectfully putting him at odds with Biden's day one directive requiring honesty and decency from administration employees and that the president would fire anyone who shows disrespect to others on the spot. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki
4: complaint was filed, a full and thorough investigation was conducted pursuant to that policy. In addition, following the conclusion of the thorough investigation into these actions, senior White House officials conveyed directly to Dr. Lander that his behavior was inappropriate and the corrective actions that were needed, uh, which, were, uh, which the White House will monitor for compliance moving forward.
0: On Friday, Lander issued an apology to staffers in his office acknowledging I have spoken to colleagues within his organization in a disrespectful or demeaning way. Lander, whose position was elevated to cabinet rank by Biden, appeared prominently with the president last week when he relaunched his cancer moonshot program to marshal federal resources behind research and treatment for cancer. And thousands of people demonstrated in Canadian cities, including the financial hub Toronto on Saturday, as mostly peaceful but noisy protests against vaccine mandates spread from Ottawa, the capital. was a similar protest, though, that was held in New York City this morning and marched across the Brooklyn Bridge. Similar protests have been happening in Canada as well. In Canada, they call themselves the Freedom Convoy and began as a movement against the Canadian vaccine requirement for cross-border truckers, but has turned into a rallying point against public health measures in Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government. In New York, It's possible that thousands of workers who have refused to get the vaccinations could be fired on February 10th or February 11th when a uh, deadline expires. Meanwhile, in Canada, protesters shut down those uh, downtown Ottawa, the Canadian capital, for the past eight days with some participants, not all, of course, waving Confederate or Nazi flags and some saying they wanted to dissolve Canada's government. Meanwhile, closer to home, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy announced today the mask mandate for the state schools will end next month. All New Jersey schools and daycare facilities will get to make their own decisions on masking policy beginning March 7th. The governor said the Omicron surge plaguing the state has been rapidly declining.
3: The dramatic decline in our COVID numbers effective Monday, March 7th, the statewide school mask mandate will be lifted. Additionally, we will lift the statewide mandate in all child care settings. Later this week, we will extend the public health emergency by 30 days to allow for this mask mandate to continue until then and then be responsibly lifted. We are not removing the ability of individual district leaders to maintain and enforce such a policy within their schools or any private child care provider from maintaining such a policy within their business should community conditions require. We're not gonna manage COVID to zero. We have to learn how to live with COVID as we move from a pandemic to the endemic phase of this virus. To be sure, we've known this for a long time, and we are optimistic that given the decreased severity of this new variant and the continued increase in vaccinations that we are finally nearing this inflection point. I've said many times that we would act deliberately in all we do in response to the pandemic. The mask mandate has been part of a many-layered approach to being able to safely keep our schools open because we know that remote learning is an inadequate substitute for learning in person. We have tried, as we've said many times, to meet the moment, not to undershoot it, putting lives at risk, or to overshooting it, only adding to mental health and stress that we know exists
0: The issue of having students wear masks has divided schools throughout New Jersey with often intense debates and demonstrations, with some people advocating individual choice, while others argue that masks are a public health measure that greatly reduce COVID spread. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. In local news, Mayor Eric Adams today signed a sweeping executive order designed to make the city more accountable and boost government transparency, including a requirement that all city agencies appoint a monitor to ensure that such practices are followed. Adams also introduced one of the report's authors, his longtime friend and civil rights activist, Norman Siegel.
5: Many of you know throughout the years, the long relationship I have had with Norman Siegel, Norman actually saved my job when the police department was attempting to fire me. It was Norman Siegel who took on the case. I saw his brilliance in the courtroom, but I also saw his brilliant, brilliance uh, throughout my career. As uh, throughout my 22 year law enforcement career, I sat at a night live with, say, my 99 years in policing. Um, but of uh, just the number of cases, he never walks away from them. Uh, after the case is over, Norman stay in contact with the family, uh, Amadou Diallo's family, uh, on, on the board and his participation, uh, just navigating the system. The number of cases that I brought to Norman Siegel, uh, through the years when people could not receive justice anywhere else. This is a great civil rights attorney and leader. And uh, I'm happy that not only is he a friend, but he has been a trusted advisor. But let's be clear, Norman will sue me in a New York minute. (laughs) Trust me. And he reminds me all the time. If you get it wrong, I'm going to tell you to get it right, and then I'm going to take you to court and make you get it right.
0: And that was the mayor earlier today. Siegel called Monday's action historic, saying they believed it was the first of its kind in the country. This could be the first executive
4: order ever entered in this country and this city's history that respects and protects free speech and free press for people in the city of new york as far as we know that in itself is historic
0: that was norman siegel he also listed some of the recommendations in the report there's 81 of them and uh, the one signed today is the executive order today actually addresses only one of those 81 recommendations siegel said the report if it was followed would radically change new york city for the better the report and its 81
4: recommendations are a framework for governing through the prism of social justice. It is our view that public safety and social justice can be best achieved when they work in tandem. We take seriously the mayor's stated desire to pursue social justice as well as public safety, and believe we have given him a framework for doing so that is well within the
0: powers of the mayor. And uh, Siegel then went on to tell a story about inmates at Rikers Island, he once taught, who asked him for just one thing.
4: Most of the people on the street, they
0: don't want to be on the street.
4: We don't want them to be on the street. So we have to find the viable options. We have to win over the trust of people out on the streets, find out who they are, why they got there. How do we get them off? And yes, it's not just housing. It's mental health. It's drug addiction. It's alcohol addiction. But it can be done. We can get the people off the streets. And there are, I think, hundreds of New Yorkers who are ready to volunteer on such a project.
0: And Adams asked why a citywide free speech guarantee was necessary. He invoked police attacks on reporters at protests throughout the city.
5: And, you know, it is a a First Amendment right, but I was on the ground during Occupy Wall Street. We saw members of the press who were arrested, uh, who were harassed, who were not allowed to cover the story, even uh, those who were wearing their press passes. So it's one thing to have something in writing. It's another thing to make sure that all of the agencies that are involved in protecting that authority and right is carrying out their jobs. And so this day of signing this executive order is sending not only a symbolic message to the people of this city that we're going to allow a press, no matter if we agree or disagree, we're going to allow them to report what happens in the city. But it's also a substantive way of stating uh, that this is what this administration is going to be about.
0: The order also states that agencies must provide detailed information about its policies, practices and activities in publicly accessible ways. Siegel then invoked an old friend from the South. When you talk about free speech, I'll end it with a
4: quote from one of my friends when I worked for the ACLU in the South. I was in the building on the second and third floor and he was on the fifth floor. John Lewis, a friend of mine. When we talk about this executive order and put it in context, John had such a good skill with words. He said that the civil rights movement without free speech and the right to dissent would be like a bird without wings. So this executive order is important. We thank Eric for
0: listening, and yeah, Eric will be watching. After the press conference, Siegel said he wanted to give Adams time to absorb the report, but the attorney who began his career in the late 60s working on black civil rights issues also acknowledged that he and others have been advocating for many of these reforms for decades. He said, rhetoric doesn't cut it anymore. As far as I'm concerned, I want action. I want people to recognize that you can't have a fair city without, without both safety and social justice. And in one of the... Uh, points that in those 81, uh, recommendations was to give residents of NYCHA houses the opportunity when they have, uh, the number one problem in NYCHA housing, which is lack of, uh, hot water and heat, which we're seeing uh, many, many reports of that, uh, occurring right even as we speak today, that they should be able, instead of calling 311 to call a central number at NYCHA to have repair workers sent out immediately, um, That could have been a useful reform today. Uh, Marilyn Gonzalez says she hasn't had any hot water in her apartment since November. She and some residents of the Carlton Manor houses say the hot water and water pressure has been inconsistent in this public housing development for years. She says it's horrible and NYCHA does not care. As a workaround, Gonzalez and her 16-year-old daughter say they get up at 5.30 every morning and boil water on their stove so they can brush their teeth and shower before school and work. Once we're in the bath, there's no shower. We have to use a bucket to throw the warm water on ourselves, Gonzalez explained. Local elected officials are not calling on NYCHA to allow the tenants dealing with these issues not to pay rent through at least May. Queensboro President Donovan Richards said NYCHA doesn't give our residents a break if they don't have the money for rent that month, so why should we give NYCHA a break for failing to do basic duties? According to NYCHA, 40 units remain without hot water, about 30 percent of the building. A spokesperson says crews are working around the clock to fix the problem, and they plan to replace necessary valves on Thursday. Gonzalez turned on her bathtub faucet and said— This is our pressure. This is all we get as water trickled out of the spout. Until it's fixed, Gonzalez says she'll continue to boil water, but her patience is boiling over. Do something. Fix it. I mean, don't just put a band on it, uh, a Band-Aid on it, Gonzalez added. And that's some of the news for Monday, February 7th, 2022. The news is produced by Linda Perry. Our engineer is Richie Johnson. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo.